prophecy cannot be like a dog. Because how long do you have that feeling that it's running your cousin? I feel like the touch of his arm. Application is painful to the body, however. Another part of that day is this. Five minutes later, there's another pain in his right knee. Looks like the right knee is bent and not healing. I took the Jesus shot and tried it. Didn't help me. I ought to have known that was not my choice. And uh, I was really just riding nasty out there looking for a construction worker. I woke up to this worker running the train. I thought I had the flu. Watch me now. My chest poking. I said, well, I've got this poking.
next verse, a couple of more. I have a Bible study at the beginning of what the Word is, as the Word is with God. As the Word was God. Now, back to this passage. I don't know how anyone could read that verse of Scripture and then claim that Jesus Christ does not claim to be God. had no beginning. Whenever the beginning was, when everything began to come into, and I'm going to get this out of my way because I'll have it tore off here swinging my arms. When everything began to come into existence, the Son of God was there. He had no beginning. Somebody said, well, what about Bethlehem when he uh, was born, uh, uh, a child, a baby in Bethlehem? I, I got news for you. He was long before that. You're going to find out in a minute. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him, was not anything. I want you to notice the double negative in this passage of Scripture. Brother Horn can tell you about that. He's an English uh, uh, t- uh, teacher, and he knows all about double negatives in the Word of God, and we have one here. Without him was not anything made that was made, the Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, I'm going to try to teach a little bit. My wife said, good luck. (laughs) Let's pray before we get into our message. Father, thank you this evening that we have this privilege to be here. Now, Lord, you're going to have to touch my throat and help me because I'm not in the best of physical condition, but spiritually, the inner man is on fire. And I pray now, Father, that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to teach thy word. Father, may your will be done in every heart in this building this evening and help us to get something, help us to feed the flock of God. And Father, we'll do our best to praise you and give you the glory for we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. I'm going to take a little drink of this water and hope I don't knock the rest of it off before I get through. As given an introduction to this book, the first chapter of John gives us the introduction by presenting to us the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mention him here in the first verses, but if you go down in verse number 14, it doesn't actually call him by name, but he said, the word became flesh and dwelt. Among us. Now, who is the Word? 
And who is it that put, took flesh, came into this world, born uh, in Bethlehem and laid in a stable as a babe? Well, it had to be the Word. So who is the Word? It's got to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in this passage of Scripture, when John began to write this book, he wrote a most masterful a piece of literature concerning uh, the Son of God. Brother, I, I began to look over this the other day. I had a couple of messages on my mind. Uh, I wanted to preach on Joseph uh, there in the book of Genesis. and Oh, I mean a marvelous character. And then God sort of changed my mind and I got to look at this and I began to ponder over what this scripture is trying to teach. And I said, Lord, I'll never be able to do it justice. He said, that's what I want you to do. You, you go and, and just tell what you know. And it's a masterful introduction. And whether you believe this scripture or not, your eternal destiny depends upon what is written in this passage of Scripture and how you receive it. I'm going to tell you right now, my friend, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is God come to this earth in human flesh, you will die and go to hell because he is the only way of salvation. And how the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and all of these other religions cannot see that he claimed to be God in human flesh. It's beyond me. I want to give you three relationships in this message tonight proving that he is God. Number one, I, I want you to notice his relationship to God the Father. This relationship is Vital in that uh, it uh, deals with Christ's identity and tells us who he really is. All you got to do is read the word. I want to show you something. Have you noticed the word, word in these passages of Scripture? Look at them. Look at your Bible. Verse number one, in the beginning was the word. Do you notice anything strange about that? Capital letters. The, at least the first letter is capital. Anytime you see in the Word of God, in the Scriptures, whether it be in the Old Testament or the New Testament, words that begin with a capital letter, it means that that word is personified. I ran across some words. I was reading the Old Testament the other day, and I ran across some words. They begin with capital letters. And it was in the book of Isaiah. And I began to look at those words. I said, I don't know if I've ever seen that word before. But I began to look at those words. When I got to checking those words, I found out that Isaiah was given a prophecy concerning 
the Son of God coming into this world during the kingdom age, and those words were capital letters, started with capital letters, and is a personification of Jesus. And so in, in John chapter 1, the word is given with a capital letter, which means that word is personified, and it points to somebody. Now, have you ever noticed the Bible says in the beginning was the word? But then have you noticed when you go back to the book of Genesis and you read in the book of Genesis, the Bible said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then you read in the gospel of John and the Bible says that without him, was nothing created that was created? Do you get the impression that it must be the same person? Now, I want to explain something to you this evening. There is such thing in the Word of God called the triune Godhead. We call it the Trinity. I don't like to use the word Trinity because the word triune means three, tri, three, and unity, one. So simply it's saying there's three in one, triune. So the triune Godhead is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now I can't explain that in human language, and neither can some of these smart professors that think they know everything about God and they have a monopoly on God, they know everything about him. I would not want to serve a God that I knew everything about, brother. I'm glad I serve a God that I don't know everything about him. And I'm glad I don't. I'm glad that when things come into my life that I don't understand, I'm glad I'm serving a God that knows all about that. And he's able to take care of whatever need I have. I'm glad I serve a God that way. He doesn't come to me when he wants something to come in my life to bring me closer to him and ask me about it. He just does it. And then he says, I'll take care of the problem. Somebody asked me today, said, well, uh, how do you get along with your sickness? I said, what sickness? Well, we heard you you had some uh, medical problems. I said, oh, you're talking about the cancer deal? Well, yeah, yeah, how you doing? I said, I don't really know. I haven't had a checkup since I had chemo, but I feel fine as far as that's concerned. And it's all left in the hands of God. I don't know all about that, don't really care. But I know he knows. And I know he's got the situation in hand. Somebody used to say about the Marines, and of course most of you know I was a Marine, Brother Terry Carson, several others in here were Marines. And uh, used to be a saying, the Marines have landed and the situation is well in hand. Well, I want to say to you tonight, God has landed and the situation is well in hand. I heard somebody preaching today on BBM. 
It was talking about God has never had a day to where he didn't know what to do. There's never been a time when God looked out and said, I am wore out today. You folks are just going to have to wait. I, uh, you, it's no use praying. Uh, I'm just tired. I'm going to have to take a rest. No, no. Hallelujah. No matter what time of the day, day or night that you've got a problem, he's always there to meet that need. Boy, the times, brother, Rodney, I woke up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and have my heart just broken because of something I couldn't handle or take care of. And I've never woke up, brother, and went to him in prayer, and he said, I don't have time. I'm not awake. I'm asleep. You're going to have to, you're going to have to make an appointment. And brother, there's been some times in our life and I thought about this storm coming in. In Florida, I heard just a little while ago they being lashed with 155-mile-an-hour winds and, and rain, sheets of rain coming in and expecting at least 20 inches of rain in some areas. Man, I'm telling you. And my wife and I have been through some storms like that in our past. And I want to tell you, God has always brought us through the storms. There's never been a time when he said, I don't have time uh, to look after you. You're on your own in this storm. No, thank God. He's always been there. And I'm glad he was the creator. And he knows all about that. Now, I want you to notice that uh, this relationship that Christ has with God the Father, it shows his designation. That is, words reveal thoughts, and Christ is the great revealer of God's thoughts. If you want to put thoughts together and put words on paper, then you've got to use the, the alphabet, and you've got to take different letters of the alphabet and put the words together and put them on, uh, on the page and make it say what you want it to say. And I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus Christ, thank God, is the alphabet that puts the words together to point out who God is to us. Amen. Yes, sir. The word of God said over in the book of Revelation, he said, I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the ending. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and Omega is the second letter of the Greek or the last letter of the Greek alphabet, and you put them all together, you've got Jesus Christ who points out God the Father to you and I. How else can we know him except he, Jesus Christ, showed him unto us? The word of God is very emphatic that we cannot know God apart from Jesus Christ. Christ told Philip, he said, Philip said, uh, said uh, Lord, show us, the Father, and we'll believe. He said, Philip, have I been with you such a long time and you've not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus Christ is the very image of God. Jesus Christ is the very uh, outglow of God Almighty. 
when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and the cloud came down and covered them on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw a bright light. What they saw was the glow of the glory of God Almighty within that storm cloud. Had they not been in that cloud, the glory that came down would have killed them. I'm reminded of old Moses over in the Old Testament when he said, God, he said, I want to see your face. God said, no man shall see my face and live. Moses said, but Lord, I want to see your glory. I've talked to you and, and uh, I, I've become acquainted with you and I want to see you. God said, you cannot see my glory. But he said, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. And he said, when I walk by, he said, I'll hold my hand over the opening of the rock. And when I go by, you can see my, uh, my hinder parts, but you cannot see my face. And I looked that Hebrew word up one time, the hinder parts, and it simply means the afterglow of God's glory. Whew. Man, I'm telling you, I've never seen his glory. But I want you to know, Brother Brandon, there's been some times of my life, hallelujah, when I have seen the afterglow of his glory. Man, when I've been on the beds of affliction and the devil came by and said, your God don't love you anymore. I have seen his glory when the blessed Holy Spirit of God came by and said, I'm here, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, I've seen the afterglory of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 said, God who at sundry times and divers of different manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us through his Son. Brother, he said, whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. You notice that worlds is in, it's uh, not one, but it's, a, I don't know how many. I, I saw a program, I can't remember if it was last night, I run through YouTube sometimes. I like to keep up with what NASA's doing especially since they put up this new James Webb uh, telescope. And I ran across a program, and they said they found a new galaxy called a spiral galaxy. And they don't know how many thousand planets they call them. The Bible calls them worlds. How many thousand worlds they are within that galaxy. And they're telling how many hundreds of thousands or millions of years, light years away from us they are. But there's thousands. Well, I, I believe I heard somewhere uh, just the other day that uh, they found more than 5,000 worlds within this galaxy that we live in. And then to stop and think about it, those galaxies that they have seen outside of the galaxy that we live in 
is a drop in a bucket to what God's got out there. They ain't been nowhere. They're just seeing a little bit of the heavens out there. I'm going to tell you, brother, I can't wait till the rapture takes place and we finally get through the judgment seat, brother Brandon. We get through shedding all them tears for things we should have done that we didn't do and telling the Lord how sorry we are and laying what few rewards we get at his feet. And then he says, okay, uh, it's all over now. now. Come on, children. I want to show you some things. And I believe with all of my heart and soul it's going to take the rest of eternity to show the church of Jesus Christ, the born-again children of God. I believe it's going to take the rest of eternity to show what God or what Christ has made for us. Now, I want you to think about it. This goes past this mind that I have. Brother, it can't even conceive but when you look out into the heavens and think about what all is out there, what must Christ have for us? Whew. Man, I'm telling you, that just makes me shiver. You know, I thought about this and I thought about Brother Abel. I had him on my mind the other night, how good he plays the piano and these other guys, Brother Michael and and uh, all these folks singing and, and all these uh, folks playing these musical instruments, that thought occurred to me the other night. What kind of music room has God got over there? I heard a choir singing the other day, and man, they got to singing. I said, that's the most beautiful song I've ever heard. I'd heard it before, but that is the most beautiful music I'd ever heard sung like that. And the tears started flowing down my cheeks. And the thought come to me, what kind of music room had Jesus got over there? Whew, man, I'm telling you. You think about all of these choirs and all the musical instruments that uh, men play today and glorify and magnify the Lord Jesus with. Don't you think one day there's going to be a place where all of those folks can get and start playing pianos? How many pianos are they going to have over there? I don't know. And, and all the music, the singing, when all of those choirs get together, millions upon millions of folks with perfect voices without any flaws in their voices, and they begin to sing and praise Jesus Christ over there. Oh, I'm going to tell you folks, we've got to have a new body or we'll never be able to stand it. Brother, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to go to heaven and be sad and, and uh, run down. And Man, I, I just, I'm, I am so bored. I don't think we'll have time for boredom. But I'm just longing to get there. But, but Christ, 
made it all. His relationship to the Father is that uh, he is designated as the Son of God. And then not only that, his duration is he's eternal. The Bible said in the beginning, he was there. When the first words of bringing this earth into existence were spoken, Jesus was the one that spoke the words. Now, I could give you a little lesson in the book of Genesis, but I don't have time to do that this evening. But if you have an opportunity, I want you to go home and you read the first chapter of the book of Genesis and read through there how God created the heaven and the earth. First verse that he created the heaven and the earth. And then it goes on to say that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There's the second person of the triune Godhead. God created. The Spirit moves upon the waters. And then the Bible said, and God said. That's the third member of the Godhead who is none other than God the Son who says, Come into existence. And it said, Brother, I'm going to tell you, you've got to be an idiot if you believe in evolution. I mean, brother, uh, God just spoke and things came into existence. You want me to tell you something? When it comes time for you to die, you know what's going to happen? God's going to speak, and you're gone. Every one of us sitting in this room tonight, you do not have the power over your life, whether you live or die. And I want to tell you, it's a very serious matter when you think that God is in control of your life, and he can cut your life off just like that and send you to hell. People said, God don't send people to hell, they send themselves. Yes, but he's going to be in charge. He's going to allow it. They're going to be standing at the great white throne one day before the Lord Jesus Christ and to hear him say, depart from me, ye cursed ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And them solemn words. His duration. He's the word in the beginning. He's eternal. His dwelling with God. Jesus did not live as these uh, critics and these liberals say with Mary Magdalene uh, like he was shacked up with some harlot. And they teach that today. Brother, the word of God said he lived with God the Father. There was times when the disciples would go to their own homes and leave him. And you know where the Bible said he went? Sometimes he'd go out, Mount of Olives, other places. You know what he did? He dwelt, not by himself, but he dwelt alone with the Father. Oh, yes. When he was out in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they were about to 
uh, to arrest him and crucify him. He was with God the Father in the garden saying, uh, uh, my God, my Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And we know that it wasn't God's will to take the cup away. He had to drink it. And the cup that he drank was that old cup of our filthy, sinful, ungodly, wicked lives that we lived that was placed upon him. There was no other way. There's a sermon I preached one time in the Word of God that says himself, the Bible said others, he saved, but himself, he could not save. That's a fact. When he was on the cross, they, they, they looked up at him and they said, if you be Elijah, you are one of those prophets and you've got all of that power, come down off the cross and we'll believe you. The Bible teaches us he couldn't come down off that cross. Had he came down off that cross, you and I, we wouldn't have no, no way of being saved. Aren't you glad tonight? that he died on the cross for you. He dwelt with God. And then his deity is shown in this passage of Scripture that he is the Word of God. That's what I hate about these new Bibles. They come out with all these new Bibles and lots of the uh, men, uh, preachers are using them. I stick to King James because that's the one where all the revivals took place in the world and in America and Scotland and England and all the other places. It was the King James Bible that uh, had all of those revivals. These new Bibles today, I want, I want to put it to you right now and you tell me if I'm wrong. How many in here know of somebody that can stand up and give a testimony that they have been born again that were saved by any other Bible than the King James. Anybody know anybody like that? Brother, I'm going to stay with the one that got me saved. I'm going to stay with the one that teaches that Jesus is God. I'm going to stay with the one that teaches that Jesus was God. Come to this earth in human flesh. I want you to notice not only his relationship to God, but his relationship to the galaxies. Verse number three says, All things were made by him and without him was not. There's that double negative. Anything made that was made. Somebody said it's not correct English to use double negatives. Well, you're going to find a bunch of them when you read through the Word of God. And uh, I, I want to explain something else and Brother Horn can vouch for this. I think that when it comes to the English language from which it was translated from the Greek into the English Bible that we have. 
Our English is not near as perfect as the Greek is at Brother Horn. You can look at the Greek language, and that's the most pure language that they had in the day when this Bible was written. It, it was pure. It was the language of the people in the time when the apostles wrote the Word of God. They had the most perfect language. They had the most perfect English. When King James was written, then we have today. Our English today, half of it doesn't mean what uh, it meant back in them days. Take, for instance, uh, uh, that word, uh, what is it that we're supposed to be politically correct about? Referring to the homosexuals? Brother, I'm going to tell you it means a whole lot more than that in the Greek language and in the Word of God than what they make it to be. I don't want to get started on it. I'll be here all night fussing. All right, so Christ is a second relationship. Uh, he is the creator. And uh, I want you to notice the extent of the creation. All things. Not just a few things. The Bible said all things were made by him, and there was not anything made uh, that was made without him. In the book of Colossians, the Bible says that he created all things, and by him all things consist. The word consist means to hold together. I want you to know tonight if Jesus Christ was not in charge of this universe and this earth that you and I dwell on, we'd be sailing off out into oblivion. So he's the creator. He made all things. That shows the energy behind the creation. The exclusiveness of the creation, all things were made by him and not anything was made without him. That's exclusive, amen? And then I want you to notice the third relationship, and this is the main part of this message tonight, and that is that Christ's third relationship is to the gospel. Now, you might get to heaven without a lot of things. I saw a man come out of Walmart today. I never really, I saw him coming out the door. I was waiting on my wife. And, and I saw him coming out the door and I saw he had kind of a limp. But I never really noticed the limp until he got past me and, and went through the door out onto the sidewalk and I saw that he had an artificial leg. And I'm sitting there and, and I thought about a statement that I made many years ago that you may get to heaven without legs, you may get to heaven without arms, you may even get to heaven without a body, but you will not get to heaven without the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way. You'll never get there. The Bible said in verse number four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. We have the remedy for what bothers us in Jesus Christ. Death and darkness are the products of sin. 
Sin brings forth death. And, uh, but life and eternal life comes through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want you to notice the radiation of Christ. I, I, I don't know why, when I'm uh, doing a message or putting a message together, there's so many things come to my mind. I, I thought about the radiation or the radiating of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, could it be that what we see in our world when it comes to atomic power and all of this and the radiation that comes from that could be similar to what comes from God in his glory? Except on a big, vast, more wider scale than the radiation you get on this earth. You know, you can go through so much radiation that it'll finally kill you. You get sick and die. But God said, you can't, even, you can't look at my glory and live. And I thought about that, that the glory from God the Father being so great that if you saw it, it would just, you just automatically, you drop dead. And yet the Bible teaches us that Christ radiates the glory of God the Father. Isn't that beyond our human comprehension? I can't, I can't fathom that, really. But I believe what the Bible says. He's the light, the Bible says, that shineth in darkness. <laughs> I mean, when sin, brother, was taking me down, the light came forth in the darkness. Oh, yes. This speaks of the incarnation and the grace of God. Think about it. The light came forth in a human body. One day he walked out and old John the Baptist come out of that wilderness in uh, camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey, had that stuff running all down his beard. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's pointing to the light. He's pointing to the one with the radiating power of God to save sinners. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Then I want you to notice the reaction in verse number 5 to Jesus Christ as the light. The word comprehended in verse number five has a twofold meaning. Number one, it can mean to reject. And that's exactly what the world did when Christ came, even his own people. The Bible said he came to his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The word power comes from the same word from which we get uh, our English word dynamite. It's the dynamite of God to save all who believe. 
Then it can mean rebellion. They rejected him. They rebelled against him. But I want to say to you tonight, praise God, even they took and crucified him on a cross and buried him in a tomb, but praise God, they did not overcome him. Yes, they rebelled. They rejected him. But I want you to know on the third day, praise God, that stone rolled back and they look in and the tomb was empty. I've heard some say the stone was rolled back so they could see that Christ, if he was still there, and uh, it was rolled back. They said the angels rolled it back so he could get out. No, I got news for you. They rolled it back because he was already gone. And the Bible says in one book, it says, at the place where he lay, there was an angel at the foot and an angel at the head, and they're sat there looking at an empty rock. The real rock had rose. <laughs> and then Mary, bless her heart, the one Christ cast out seven devils. She comes and brokenhearted and I don't know who she thought was going to roll the stone back and she got there if it wasn't rolled back. But she got there and it's, it's rolled back and she sees it's not there. Then all of a sudden somebody appears and she thinks it's a gardener. And she said, if you'll just tell me where you put him. I love him so much. If you'll just show me where you put him, I'll go and take him away. I don't know what she thought she'd do with the body, how she'd carry it off. But she said, if you'll just tell me where he is. She loved him so much. And then when he spoke her name, whew, man, I can imagine that. He said, Mary. And she said, Rabboni, which means master. And she's wanting to run and, and, and fall down and kiss his feet. And he said, touch me not. For I've not been to your father or your God and my God. He, he still had to take his blood. He hadn't been out of that tomb long when she came by, I guarantee it. Had to take his blood to the mercy seat. And he wasn't gone long. He said, you go, in, you go in to the other disciples and tell them what you've seen. And he said, especially you tell Peter. And I thought about how old Peter denied him. Brother, when Christ turned and looked at Peter with those eyes that, Peter, I tried to tell you to pray. I tried to tell you that uh, you can't trust the flesh. And when Christ looked, Peter, man, Brother Brandon, I can almost feel what Peter felt He'd sinned against his Lord. He denied his Lord. And he's broke down and he says, I'm doomed, I'm done. And he goes off and the word of God said, he wept bitterly. But I want you to know, Brother Brandon, after that night, bless God, he never denied the Lord again. Brother, when Christ came out of that tomb, he told Mary, he said, go and tell Peter. 
And I think uh, Jesus wanted Peter to know, I've heard your prayers and you're forgiven. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm so glad tonight that when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. And when I come and weep to my Lord and fall on my face and say, God, I've sinned, Lord. I've trampled your your name down. I've done wrong. He says, my child, I hear. You've confessed and I forgive you. Old Peter, you find him on Pentecost. 3,000 souls come to Christ through his preaching on Pentecost. Did God use him? Well, he didn't cast him aside. Another occasion, 5,000 through Peter. Brother, God used him. Shows me one thing. If you're willing to confess your sin and get right with God and turn to him and make things right with him when you've sinned, brother, he'll forgive you and he can still use you. There's a lot of people you could do wrong and they wouldn't speak to you again, but I'm glad the Lord's not that way. And he, Christ was not perceived as essential to the crowds when he came. But I want to show you the power in closing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8. If you know anything about 2 Thessalonians, it starts out by dealing with the Antichrist or the man of sin. And I'm not going to go through all of this, but I'm going to read one verse, verse number eight. This man of sin, I believe, is the devil incarnate. He is the devil in a human body that the world is going to be worshiping. And uh, Jesus was cast aside after his resurrection. The world does not believe on him And today, the world still curses the name of Christ. But I want you to notice 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8, the Bible said, and then shall that wicked, and I want you to notice that the word wicked is a capital, uh, starts with a capital letter, and it's personified, but it does not point to Jesus. Because Jesus is not wicked. But he said that wicked, and in the Greek language it means the wicked one. That wicked one will be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the brightness of, or let me, my eyes are watered up, I can't see what I'm reading. Then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The power of God Almighty in the Son of God is going to be revealed like it has never been revealed before at the second coming of Jesus Christ. That old Antichrist is going to be reigning in Jerusalem. He's going to be trying to kill out God's chosen people. 
The world is going to be headed through the valley of Jezreel and the valley of Jehoshaphat to Armageddon. Men are going to be killing men by the thousands and the millions. And all of a sudden, something's going to happen. <laughs> I got it. Caught my heel on that step. Something's going to happen. They're going to see a sign in the heavens of something coming, and they're going to join together and try to stop the coming of Jesus Christ. Brother, what a mistake that is. And brother, I'm going to tell you, if you read Revelation, when Jesus comes, the word of God says that the blood will flow to the bridle of a horse's neck through the valley of Jezreel and the valley of Josaphat. And that valley is over 200 miles long. And the blood will be up to the rattle of a horse's neck through that whole valley. Doesn't say anything about the saints fighting. I'm glad, Brother Brandon, I'm not going to have to fight. I'm just going to be on a white horse riding along behind. Word of God said, His vesture shall be dipped, a look as though it had been dipped in blood. And this world thinks that they can stop Christ and they can do things to God or they're going to outsmart God or they're going to change the climate, they're going to change the world. I don't know what they think they're going to do. Uh, what are they going to do about this storm coming in down here? I, if they go to change things, I want them to stop it before it gets here, don't you, brother? I want to tell you God's power is going to be so great that just the brightness of his coming will consume the Antichrist when he comes. As a matter of fact, even when he starts, the wicked are going to be running to the rocks and mountains saying, hide us from him that sits on the throne. Hide us from that one that's coming because I, we, we have no remedy for what he's fixing to do. But I want to ask you a question tonight. And you better be serious because you will face this message one day uh, in eternity. If you're here tonight and you are here and you're not ready to meet Jesus, I'm going to tell you, I would not sit in that seat one more moment. I'd get to this altar and I'd say, God, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Come into my heart and save me. I want to get right with God. I'd get things right with God because I'm going to tell you, the way things are going in this world, he could come tonight. There's just too many things. Somebody asked me the other day. I don't even remember who it was now. Might have been somebody here. I don't remember. They said, do you think Jesus is coming soon? Well, when you talk about soon, what do you mean? Tonight, today, today, tonight, tomorrow, next week? How soon do you mean? I'm going to tell you this. I think it's close enough that he's almost ready to get the door handle and step out and say, come up here, children. Just too many things going on. Now, I don't know about your life, but I, I want to be right. And I know 
Uh, you say, well, preacher, I don't want people laughing at me and making fun. I'd rather them laugh at me and make fun of me than me have to stand before him and he'd say, why'd you do this? Why'd you not do this? And it's nothing to have a door slam in your face. I've had all of that. I've even had guns point at me when I've been witnessing. I'm still here. Not no power of mine, but because of the grace of God. And I'm not scared of what man can do. The psalmist said, I, I'm not worried about what man can do to me. He can't do nothing. God don't allow him to do. Amen. All right, Brother Brandon, come on. Give, give invitation. Amen. Well, let's all stand real quick with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's all stand to our feet tonight as the pianist makes their way to the piano. Just a moment or so of invitation, and I, I believe it was already given and already clear. If you're here tonight and you're unsure of your salvation, you're unsure of your eternal destination, you're unsure if you took your final breath right now, if you would end up in a place called heaven or a place called hell, and you're not sure, well, I, I hope you'd come tonight and get that settled. I, I remember the day when it was uncertain for me. I remember very clearly the faults that ran through my mind and the worry, scared to death, not sure of what the future was going to hold. Then the faults come by my mind of my friends and family, what are they going to think? We've all been there. But if you're there tonight, I want to encourage you just to let go and trust Jesus. Trust Jesus with everything. He loved you so much that he's willing to lay down his life and die for you, bleed for you, and die for you. If you're watching by way of live stream tonight, there's a number on the bottom of that screen that you can call, and we have some people in the back that'll be happy to answer that phone call and be able to pray with you, be able to encourage you, be able to take God's word and show you how you can be saved tonight. If we're saved in here tonight, if those of us that are Christians, those of us that are saved, you think back to a time, a date, and a place tonight, maybe it'd do good just to, to thank the Lord for where he's brought us and how blessed we are tonight. Take a deep breath. We're blessed tonight. Sometimes the storms come and the troubles comes in our lives and it clouds God's goodness and his greatness and we get distracted away from his glory. But just know that he is there and that he loves you and that he will guide you all the way through any storm that comes your way. He can turn a test into a testimony, a trial into triumph. So no matter what you're going through, just know that you can run to Jesus. From the beginning, he was there. From the beginning, he was there. And he knows exactly what you're going through and what you, the issues that you're facing tonight. Just a moment, just a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need a move, make that move. We won't prolong the invitation. But if you need to do business with God, now would be the time. If you're not saved in here, now would be the time to make that move. 